This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. It's Tuesday afternoon. We are in the heart of the offseason. At least the Vikings are. The playoffs still going. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in the next segment. Um, but I guess I guess we could call it news of the day. The the ongoing defensive coordinator search. Um, last week we talked. We did an emergency pod the day Ed Donatel got fired. I think a lot of people expected that to happen. Um, in the past few days, I guess over the course of the past week, the Vikings have requested to reportedly requested to interview Brian Flores, um, assistant coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually just finished up an interview with Ryan Nielsen. It's the only one the team has publicly announced Ryan Nielsen, co-defensive coordinator of the new Orleans saints last year. And then they have one more feeler out to Sean Desai assistant coach with the Seattle Seahawks. He's the name that stands out to me because he, was a finalist for the job last year. And it seems like you probably don't interview the same guy twice and turn mm-hmm. him down twice. That seems kind of rude. Um, so I think it feels to me like he has the inside track. It's all conjecture. Um, I'm not calling around to sources and, and, and trying to figure this out, uh, but that's my gut feeling, Tom, when, when you have a guy who got so far along in the process last year, and he is among the first people that you, you kind of bring through in your first round of interviews. I know Brian Flores is the sexy name, yeah. Um, yeah. but Sean Desai seems like the one, if the Seahawks allow him to interview, and I, I know the, the interview's already been requested, um, I, I got to imagine he's the one that's near the top of the list. Yeah, it's always interesting to me when a team makes one decision, right, and then like kind of goes back to... Mm-hmm. to the person that they interviewed before i think you're you're right at least anecdotally that like he would have the legs leg up that they had already interviewed him know him pretty well there's a reason why they they targeted him um i you know it, it, the seahawks seem interesting you know what i mean like I, maybe you shouldn't read too much into the organization they come from because these guys kind of bounce around or whatever but you, you know you think of like the smartest thing they did, I guess, is they knew they had something in Geno Smith, right? But I, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as the Vikings beat them in 21, I was like, well, this team's team's resetting. You know what I mean? And like, um, I understand there's some, there's a tactical uh, point to this, right? Like, as in, um, you know, we can, we can have conjecture over, he actually spent most of his time with the Bears. I'm looking like 13 to 21 and then mm-hmm. the Seahawks in 22 um but you know like like kind of what what's their pathway what's the age we talked about you know fitting in with the age range um 
yeah, to me, to me, it feels like there's some tactical stuff. Like I think back to Donatel when, when we kept asking him about the gap between the corners and the receivers and he kept giving us kind of vague answers. And I was like, isn't there like kind of like a science behind this? You know what I mean? I understand some of it's mm-hmm. feel, some of it's whatever, but like that is kind of what we're getting at, right? Like that, you know, you think back to Philadelphia when um, Aikman said that the Vikings were in a shell and that's that's kind of the implication, right? Everyone, everything's back. You beat them with the short pass. Um, you know, I wonder if someone just comes in with different tactics, right? Same scheme, kind of aiming for the same players, um, many of the same philosophies and just, you know, a nuance like how the corners play the receiver or something like that um is enough to change it or whatever but i think you're right that that guy probably has a leg up i also kind of wonder did he did o'connell go with donatel because he wanted an older coach we talked about that right the better on the staff mm-hmm. did he have a better relationship with him right there's maybe a mentor type deal with um with donatel um you know there's a lot of kind of what's i would like to know here like like what what and why right what what prevented this guy from getting hired and why did they go back to him and um having said that you're probably right i mean he's probably got a little bit of an advantage here yeah and and obviously the rest of the interview process will materialize over the next probably the next week i, I would imagine a hire is in place by by the beginning of next week um just when you look at how, how quickly these things kind of tend to happen or sometimes not so quickly but there is normally a resolution within a couple of weeks, a few weeks, um, and, and we'll continue to follow that. If a hire happens in the next couple of weeks or within the next week, we'll, we'll hop on for an emergency podcast about that and pretend like we know everything about the guy, because that's really all you're doing when, when, when you're mm-hmm. reacting initially. Um, you, you look at his previous stops and you look at the, the season that was, and then you just kind of try and project out. So Truthfully, I don't know. Tom doesn't know. Kevin O'Connell, to a degree, doesn't know if this guy's going to work out. But that's what you're trying to kind of suss out throughout this interview process. I th- I think it's really interesting to look at the size background here. Like he was a defensive guy with Temple from 06 to 10, assistant director of football operations with Miami, which like feels like a big deal, right? A big program mm-hmm. and like like kind of a big title. Um, and then he was a running backs coach and a special teams coordinator at. Boston College. Now, I think the advantage the special teams guy has is that you kind of deal with offensive and defensive players, but then he kind of jumps to the defensive side with Chicago defensive quality control coach, safeties, defensive coordinator, um, and then he's, you know, the defensive uh, assistant and assistant head coach with Seattle. But, um, you know, I also wonder if they if if they want someone who's like a little more well-rounded or something, you know what I mean? Like, like you know, sometimes if you see the offensive side, you're better able to kind of interpret like what you should be doing defensively and vice versa. But mm-hmm. he has an interesting background. I mean, I think it's uh, as much as the bears weren't very good for a long time, the defense was kind of the the thing you knew, right? You're going to go play yep. a tough defensive team. And it's going to be a scrappy game. So um, yeah, kind of an interesting name there. Uh, I wrote about this in, in Tuesday's Pioneer press. Um, no, I'm curious what you think about this, Tom. Kevin O'Connell has to get this higher right because he did a lot of good things in year one. But the glaring misstep led to the season's demise, right? Like he mm-hmm. hand-selected at downtown. And like you, like to your point earlier, the why did that happen? Kevin O'Connell always, all the coaching staff talks about the why. You know, like that's one of their big things is like, oh, we love to explain the why, you know, behind this play or that play. The why behind why he hired Adonita would be interesting. 
not sure we'll ever go there because once mm-hmm. the hire is made, it'll be kind of all pushing forward. Mm-hmm. But he needs to prove that he can make the right decision here, mm-hmm. right? Because this is the guy he picked when he was building out his staff. He picked Ed Donatel. For what reasons, we're not sure. It probably had something to do with the mentorship role, a veteran coach mixing in with the young staff. I'm sure all of those things. Um, you probably thought you were getting Vic Fangio or Vic Fangio light, and, and, and you weren't. Mm-hmm. That probably mm-hmm. played a role in it too. But this offseason, as, as good as Kevin O'Connell was in year one, as much goodwill as he's established by by leading the team to a 13-4 and four record, winning the North running away, while I kind of hesitate to reduce it all to the playoff loss, because I, I also wrote in the Pioneer Press, you shouldn't do that. You should have enjoyed this season for what it was. Yeah, yeah. All of those things kind of came to a head in the playoffs, and, and the thing that separated the, the Vikings and the Giants in the playoff loss was the Vikings' poorest defense led by yeah. the man that Kevin O'Connell picked. Yeah. by himself to, to kind of build out his coaching staff. So like, I'm not saying if, if he gets his hire wrong that he's on the hot seat because the Wolves as, as a family, they, they allow head coaches a long leash anyway. Kevin yeah. O'Connell deserves a long leash, but I'm looking for this guy, whoever Kevin O'Connell hires to just be it, like to be someone that they, they can grow with the organization with, with Kevin O'Connell throughout his kind of rise up the ranks and his continued kind of rise as an NFL head coach. Yeah. He hasn't proven he can, he can hire the right guy yet. Um, and he needs to. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I think like with the florist one, and obviously that's going to be the name people know most. He was all over mm-hmm. ESPN with the lawsuit, which I assume the lawsuit is just kind of stuck in like legal hell or something. You know, I, I guess mm-hmm. I haven't um, followed up on it but you know it's it's it was serious allegations there's a reason why he was on espn kind of explaining it um mike tomlin good on him to to bring in a you know a a guy he knew and, and respected um to coach the linebackers but you know i kind of wonder is there an advantage in bringing someone who's been a head coach before you know what i mean and kind of yeah. like seeing the whole seeing the whole picture um, I don't think it's like a, a mentorship type deal, but um, but again, maybe that's not the the worst thing in the world. Um, uh, I do think there's some value again, as I was saying, like in seeing kind of both sides of it. You know, the the downside is if Flores is 41, he may be gunning for another job, right? You know what I mean? Like this might not be more of a long term solution, but there's a huge difference between hiring Donatel and then mm-hmm. firing him after a year and seeing how that defense collapsed late and was a liability in the playoffs. And if Flores is there two years and then someone picks him up or whatever, but um, I don't, I wouldn't dismiss that name. They're not going to go throw that guy's name out there. If it's, if it's, you know, just a feeler, like he, he's pretty, he's got to be pretty confident in what this guy can bring, even if he doesn't end up getting the job. Um, and yeah, I just, I think, I do think there's some value, you know, you think about how they talk about collaboration. And I think one of the biggest, issues with Zimmer we talked about how like it was that he just churned through offensive coordinators but he also just felt like a defensive coach that like the other two sides of the ball were kind of a liability right like the the uh a bad punt could kind of screw up the defense and an interception kind of screw up the defense Mm -hmm. and he seemed to um you know and, and like god forbid the kicker misses once or whatever but um I think uh if you're looking at the collaboration side there may be some value in having someone who was a head coach before and and kind of has seen it through o'connell's eyes and and understands the role of the defense in a complementary 
uh, three-phase football. So again, I, I'm my guess is this is more about X's and O's and someone coming in and being like, hey, Donatel did this, this, and this, right? But these were the fatal flaws, right? It's probably more on the chalkboard or whatever than it mm-hmm. is any of these other factors. But I do, I guess that's what intrigued me about Flores. He's also the opposite personality, right? O'Connell's player's coach. He's going to be more of a disciplinarian. And I think from the offensive standpoint, I think you're probably better off with a player's coach. From the defense, those guys seem to be really like to really like to be coached hard, right? Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, and you'd assume as the younger guys figure out what they're doing, um, they'd kind of take that mindset. But I don't know. I mean, I think at the very least, two of these names, you know, pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think, like we said, whoever it is will kind of rise to the top, you know, over the next week or so. I do think it's interesting when when you look at the interview process as a whole, and and this probably exists more with head coaches and and general managers, but like the like mining of knowledge that goes on in these things, right? Like maybe the Vikings aren't going to hire Brian Flores. Maybe they are. Um, But if Brian Flores is also getting head coaching interviews with, with the Arizona Cardinals probably leads you to believe that, that he maybe sets his sights higher on than, than a defensive coordinator role. Maybe he's he's looking for a head coaching position. But when you have a guy like even Ryan Nielsen from the Saints, who who is the only person so far as of Tuesday afternoon that's officially interviewed, you as now Kevin O'Connell and and, and I guess Quasey when he was interviewing Kevin O'Connell before he hired him and, and that wide array of coaches that were in the candidacy pool, you're just gathering a bunch of knowledge and you're stealing some stuff along the way. So maybe Kevin O'Connell doesn't hire XYZ but he's definitely taking what he's learned from those interview processes and, and kind of taking it into like the next step, whoever is going to be the defensive coordinator. I've always thought that was an interesting kind of thing to, to kind of transpire off of an interview process is like, they're actively stealing your ideas too. Yeah. 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 You bring them in and like, you may be like, yeah, there's no way I can have this personality in the locker room or whatever, but I, I know his knowledge. I think the thing with Nielsen is, he's mostly a defensive line guy. I'm again, mm-hmm. kind of looking through here and a lot of that's in college and kind of some central Connecticut state and UT Martin and Northern Illinois or whatever. But um, it was at NC state before the saints. And and I think that, you know, that's the other thing is like, if you look at the final teams and I'm sure we'll get to the playoffs here soon, but like the, if you look at the final teams they get after the quarterback, right. They coach the defensive line. Well, now it does seem funny that I was, I was saying like the, the cornerbacks felt like the, um, there was some flaw there that I just couldn't understand, like why it wasn't better explained or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like why, why they were kind of in the shell. But we also know another problem is they weren't getting after the quarterback that, that some of the issues with the shell, if you will, um, while there are some fundamental flaws probably would have been mitigated by more pass rush. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there's, it's, it's wise bringing him in maybe for his ideas, but also why they would hire at that position, because you would assume he would know a cornerbacks coach, right? Or a secondary coach yeah. and could kind of compliment it. But I do, I think it's pretty smart to bring in someone who knows, who knows the defensive line. I think that's um, so, sometimes maybe the fix is a little bit easier than you think. It's, it's like, it's like bringing, you know, someone who, who can, who knows the scouting side and we'll figure out who gets after the quarterback and, um, if those guys wreak havoc, it, it does feel like it will cover for not having a full cornerback mm-hmm. one or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And the defense as a whole is going to look different next year. You know, we'll get more into that 
as the off season kind of progresses, but the veterans, certain ones have, have a pretty high cap hit. They're either going to need a restructure or maybe the Vikings just cut bait completely. We'll talk more about that throughout the off season. Um, when we come back, we'll, we'll jump into the playoffs. Um, Vikings aren't a part of it obviously anymore, but still, I would say an exciting divisional week weekend, but not really, yeah. <laughs> not, not yeah. the greatest games. Hard to compare to last year's, uh, but still two, two really, really great matchups coming up in, in the, in both the NFC and AFC championship game. Uh, me and Tom will break down a little bit of the playoffs when we come back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Just touch briefly on every game and then maybe. Yeah, I have a point about the Vikings too. I mean, it's. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll just lead with. I'll lead with Philly. New York, and then yeah, t- talk about how like you know the defense yeah. looked bad. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I am Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. It's the off season. We're recording on a Tuesday afternoon. If you like what you're hearing, though, please give us a follow. Inside Purple and Gold, anywhere you get your podcasts: um, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts odyssey app um we're going to be dropping content throughout the off season so just because the vikings aren't playing week in week out um doesn't mean you still can't hear us talk football which leads us to the vikings are not playing and they were not playing last weekend but football was still happening um and and i feel like now is a pretty good time just to talk about the playoffs as a whole everyone loves to still talk about it even if even the most heartbroken Vikings fan mm-hmm. uh, I would imagine tuned in to the, this past weekend because you only have a few more games of football left um, kind of got to soak them up as as you get them let's talk about the Philadelphia New York game first because to me 38-7 you bring up memories of, of obviously the Vikings going to Philly for the yeah. NBA, NBA championship game a few years ago that game just proved to me the Giants are not very good and the Vikings yeah. would have gotten destroyed whoever they played. Yeah. I mean, I kind of thought my initial thought was like that championship caliber stuff that like Quasi said it all the time in his final press conference. And then O'Connell brought it up and actually was in the Donatel firing statement or whatever. Right. It's like, we need to have this championship standard. Mm-hmm. It feels weird to say that after a Giants loss, you know what I mean? Like they had already beaten the Giants, the Giants from a roster standpoint. I mean, they talked about the tr- talent threshold. The Giants are mm-hmm. so far away from that, right? I mean, does even after like this Philadelphia game, I think we went from, hey, maybe they found something in, in Danny Dimes and that he's kind of their Geno Smith, I guess, or whatever. But like, 
it went from that to like, oh man, when he actually has to throw the ball, that's trouble, right? That was the thing with the Vikings is they yeah. just ran Daniel Jones. Cause like, why would you risk him throwing it? Um, and I think, uh, you know, you just saw the talent disparity in those rosters and it's not, you know, we'll get to the other games, but like every result in the playoffs told us that the Vikings are still a couple steps away. Um, mm-hmm. That's not necessarily, I'm not raising an alarm bell here because like, that's probably true of most teams in the league. And also like the, the Vikings have a better foundation than a lot of teams, but it is alarming when you're that close to the cap, when you looked at a hundred million dollar offense last year and a $70 million defense, like you're just like, man, the, the ownership has, has spent, there has been some success in the past bringing in some players, even though some of those guys are getting kind of older, but even with kind of all the things they did, right. There was enough that's wrong. And I think this kind of just dispelled the notion that, you know, in my mind, you could go all the way back to week two and be like, well, the Vikings got beat 24-7, but the defense actually held the Eagles scoreless in the second half. Mm-hmm. And you're like, if if Cousins takes advantage, and I say specifically Cousins because he struggled so much against the Blitz, if he takes advantage of some better field position, like that should have actually been closer to like 21-24. I'm not saying that the Vikings would have won the game, but it wouldn't have been that disparity. The Eagles just widen the gap though you know during the season and and howie roseman came in and really just dumped talent on that roster even if it was like now Sue or whatever right these kind of old robert quinn go get robert quinn and like um this game alone would tell you how far likings are i actually would argue there's other games that were played in the playoffs that continue to reinforce that point though yeah so i mean by the transitive property, the Vikings lose to the Giants. The Giants then lose by 31 to the Eagles. The Vikings are still a ways away. Let's stay in the NFC. Um, 49ers beat the Cowboys 19 mm-hmm. to 12. Game was good. Like it was a good game, but like kind of more proof that I guess like. Yeah. Like you're, you're just not where the Niners are. And you're probably not even where the Cowboys are. Dak was awful in that game. The game as a whole was clunky. Um, mm-hmm. Offense, you know, it was just field goals basically in, until the fourth quarter. It, it, just watching that game play out the way it did, though, I just kind of found myself jumping back to like, okay, theoretically, if the Vikings were to have beaten the Giants last week, they would have then played the Niners. I do not think it's a seven-point game. And I don't think Dallas played very well. I just don't think Vikings are very close to either of those teams. Yeah, I think it's actually interesting to look at it from the um, from the Dallas perspective first, because that's a known, right? We know that the Viking that Dallas came here were favored and won forty to three, right? And I think, I mean, to be fair, things have to go wrong early in a game for that score to get that out of hand. But like, there's no party that thought the Vikings, like, if you rolled that back ten times, the Vikings would win. You know, like a handful of those or whatever and like you know what i'm saying so like so like i don't know if it's always 40 to 3 but like dallas looked that much better and we know how explosive dallas could be against worse teams right like i think that colts game they played because like the colts kind of hung with them and all of a sudden just they kicked in another gear dallas did and and blew away and like think of how uh the niners contain that offense right and flummox stack and like um you know just just they did a lot right right and i think um that should be the first perspective point and then yeah it's to the second one i mean it would have been interesting to see the vikings play the niners in the regular season right and then you kind of have that as like as like a control or whatever but um it feels like it would have been 19 or worse right the the 19 playoff game uh or worse and i think in some ways that's almost more devastating because as much as losing the giants losing by one score 
having beaten the Giants in the regular season, like at least it's kind of new. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, it's just hard to watch like the same thing again with a new yeah. regime um, and, and with what seemed like kind of a rejuvenated roster. Um, but I, yeah, the the whole time I watched the the Niners, I think the big takeaway is if Mac Jones can do what he did against the defense and Mike White can do it and whatever you go down the list, right? Are these quarterbacks who are inferior and, and, and did well against the Vikings? Like Brock Purdy is the best of the rest in kind of that category. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like they've, it makes sense, but they've committed to him next year. Um, you know, there's big implications then for like Garoppolo, who's serviceable and could play somewhere else. Uh, there also is for Trey Lance. Um, and so, like, obviously people, notice he is from minnesota um but uh one of our guys is already written. gonna take tom yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, uh, one of our guys is already written he should be your next uh favorite minnesota based or minnesota born player or whatever but um but i you know i think uh brock Purdy would have would have done fine in this one right we saw some flaws in his game we saw what it was like for him to play against a good defense but mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i think it's uh um you know, I don't know. I, I just, I think we all know this, that that would have been a, a pretty tough one for the Vikings. And, um, and, you know, it's just sad. We're going to go through all these games and you're just going to see more and more evidence that, you know what I mean? The Vikings have a little ways to go. And I guess where I'd push back is I don't think it's as big of a chasm as people think. It's more like the Vikings really don't have a lot of misses left, right? Given where they are, yes. they really have to hit, whether it's the draft or being the right defensive coordinator or which veterans you keep or whatever, all that stuff. Yeah. I think that's a good, perspective point it's like they're not they're not close to these three teams uh, three i mean the eagles and niners who will be playing and and the cowboys, the cowboys who, yeah. they're, they're not close but they're not like eons away the, the 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 bigger point is that who are the vikings most like from this past weekend they're most like the new york giants who got destroyed so <laughs> there there's going to be things that need to change uh, over the course of this off season. Um, if the Vikings want to contend at a high level next season, the schedule is unkind. We'll, we'll go through that. I'm sure at some point this off season, maybe we'll yeah. do a little predictions. Um, I don't think we'll be predicting 13 wins with, with the way the first place. No, no, I'm not uh, bold again. I think, I mean, I think one learn for the giants and I think you're right that the giants are the closest. The giants are way less t- talented than the Vikings. They're just yes. really well coached with Dayball. And I think what we should remember is like part of development is Kevin O'Connell's development. I know we said that a few times, but like, because, because we could see some issues with his play calling, you know what I mean? And in mm-hmm. certain moments, like, he can pinpoint and also i think he's willing to learn on in those and we just that is also a way to to uh close a talent gap right like if people go man you have to overhaul this whole defense and like who's your receiver two and all this stuff i'm not i'm not saying like the vikings become the 49ers let alone like a juggernaut in the afc um on o'connell's improvement alone but again if you do a lot right he can start closing gaps and i think that's yeah. that's also learn with the giants like man dayball is really good and that yeah. you know i know they got you know they got crunched here but like they had a good season i mean they did better than i thought the giants would do so yeah, yeah. it's like a it's like a winding road that's all connecting because dayball is a very very good coach and the bills missed brian dayball this year um, that was yeah, clear, yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. especially in this divisional matchup with the with the Bengals jumping over to the AFC. Um, since he beats Buffalo twenty seven ten, and Buffalo's offense just looked out of sorts from the jump. I understand it was a blizzard game; it was a snow game, 
but it did look like they were just kind of trotting Josh Allen out there and saying like, make plays. Like it wasn't necessarily with his ability. I think almost you just, they lean on him too much and don't put him in positions to succeed. It's just go out there and make something happen with your physical talent. Um, Since he made him uncomfortable, jumped out to an early lead. Joe Burrow was great in the first half, especially, and like the bills just never caught up. Um, But I think going back to kind of your point about how good of a coach Brian Dable already is, um, I think the bills missed him this year. And I think that was pretty evident this weekend. Yeah. I, so I actually thought Cincinnati could win this one. I know uh, Buffalo is favored by five and a half, but it was more like I trusted Joe Burrow more than uh, uh, Josh Allen. I was going to say Jack Allen, who's like the goalie who stood on his head against the uh, the wild uh, Josh Allen. I think the, uh, this is splitting hairs between two great quarterbacks, but I think with Burrow, he just makes winning plays often. And with Josh Allen, like we saw it in the Vikings game, right. That he scrambled and used his feet and tried to extend time. And then like threw it to Patrick Peterson late or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and so I think um, that's kind of was my starting point. I was a little surprised Cincinnati is obviously a Midwest town, but it is like very like literally borders the South. Like I think of that as a borderline, uh, I mean, it's not quite like Miami or something like that, but a borderline warm weather team having to go play in the Buffalo conditions. And yet they looked more ready for it, right? The guys were more open. Like they just, mm-hmm. you know, even them kind of barreling through with the hits or like the um, fighting through the hits or whatever. Um, you know, I think uh, this, I expected Cincinnati to win. I did not expect this kind of result. And this is the worst case scenario for Buffalo, both like just how this season ends kind of with a thud. Um, but also like the opportunity ahead. I mean, it will get to Mahomes and stuff, but like with Mahomes out, I mean, you think about Cincinnati's record now against, against Kansas city and stuff mm-hmm. like there's suddenly an opening and just with Stefan Diggs losing it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I get it. I get what he's saying. He's like, and we, you know, obviously everyone knows Stefan Diggs from him being here, but like he, like for him to like lose it on Josh Allen on the sideline and then go off on Twitter and like, Listen, I just I'm not of the mindset that like for example Justin Jefferson was fine with losing and fine with what 47 yards or whatever against the Giants because he didn't like act out right. Um, I'm under the impression that probably stings him and is a terrible way to end the season. And I think um, Diggs is a really special player, um, but like man, to have like that's gonna unfortunately that's gonna I'm not gonna say the lasting memory because it's related to Hamlin and 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 that, but like that is your last memory, you know what I mean, of that uh-huh. team. And I think Cincinnati is looking up and going, I think Mahomes is a wizard. Maybe he can play through a high ankle sprain, but I think they're looking at it and going, man, we have a huge opportunity here, um, especially playing an inferior team from the NFC. Like, go get redemption, right? And think of, like, how their season started um, and, and kind of the doubts people had about them and stuff. Like, if you're you're feeling good if you're Cincinnati. If you're the Vikings, you're like, man, we – we barely beat the bills in overtime and it took like a fumble in the end zone and stuff and a mm-hmm. miracle catch. That's another reminder of kind of where you're at. Right. I mean, that bills game was big. It's something we'll remember. It's a really impressive win, but man, that's a little perspective on kind of where the Vikings are. And it's just, for me, obviously having covered the team and stuff, like I do think about that where you're like with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This was not a 24-27. This was a, a beatdown by Cincinnati. Yeah, for sure. And and we kind of obviously teased it already. The, the Chiefs beat the Jaguars. Um, Mahomes suffered a high ankle sprain in, in the other divisional matchup. His teammates kind of picked him up. Mahomes actually came back in in the second half and played and has already vowed that he's going to play in the AFC championship game. He's going to play. And and I'm not sure yeah. you could stop Patrick Mahomes with one leg, but I do know even last year in the AFC championship game, like they bothered him. They frustrated him and they moved him around. Mm-hmm. A lot of Patrick Mahomes' mystique is like his ability to ad lib and make things happen out of nothing. That kind of goes away if you're hobbling around the field. Now, Andy Reid did say it's not as bad as the high ankle sprain he suffered three years ago. That one kept him out of actual games in the regular season. Yeah. They're going to treat this thing. They're going to pump him with pain pills on, on Sunday, and, and he's mm-hmm. going to go out and play. Um, but, yeah, it's a pretty astute point that you made about Tom about, like, for Buffalo, a team with so much expectation, you beat Cincy at home in a snow game that you should be better equipped for. You get to play Patrick Mahomes in a neutral site, and he has one leg. It's a humongous opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Now, instead, Cincinnati's getting that opportunity. I, I think the line shifted. I actually think the Chiefs are underdogs in this game now um, because be. of uh, yeah. makes sense. Like they have Mahomes on one leg, and the Bengals have Burrow on two. Yeah. Um, but I would be shocked if this game isn't close. Like it's going to be a close game. I feel like it's not necessarily yeah. a legacy game for Patrick Mahomes. Cause I don't think like he, okay. It's not a legacy game in the sense that like, if he loses, I don't think it detracts from his legacy. It is a I legacy agree. game where if he wins and he goes on to win the Super Bowl, and, and we look back at this one in 2023 and saying, Hey, remember back in, in January, 2023, when, when Mahomes, had to play on one leg and won the Super Bowl. Like we'll remember that. So it's a legacy game in that sense. Um, but it's just a big game for, for both teams. This is the new quarterback rivalry. Um, I think Mahomes and Burrow, we're going to see that for years to come. Um, I can't wait for Sunday uh, to kind of watch those two go at it. Yeah. So I know our producer pointed out, like Andy Reid also said, Mahomes is going to go. I, that was such a weird scene, like seeing him hobble around. And I know I, I get it. Like this game it, being a playoff game is so important to him. And, and like, he's such a competitor, but you see him hobble around and you're like, there's just no way you can play like that. The mobility is part of Mahomes, right? It's, it's, it's both using his legs and then his left hand to throw the ball occasionally or whatever, throwing it behind yeah. the back or looking one way or whatever it is. I think the, um, uh, Chad Henney Super Bowl MVP odds are plus plus five thousand. Um, Henney looked looked good in replace replacing Holmes, but yeah, I think you know I I get how competitive these guys are. It's insane. Like Mahomes thought he was going to stay in that game. I know yeah. he's competitive. I know he like threw off his jacket and stuff like that. But like a you know he's just was ineffective. Um, and, and 
be like I'm with you that this does I think if he's fully healthy it does affect his legacy because he does not want to start seeding ground to burrow, right? I mean for obvious reasons, but uh there's serious ground that's being seated if if you're own four against him and I'm mm-hmm. still not convinced. I love Burrow's mentality. I know what he did last year. I still Mahomes is just like a better quarterback as a raw player. Okay. Um but you know, I do I mean I think you give him a pass here and I think you know, as much as I remember talking to my friends before the Kansas City game, so before the injury, um, you know, we were like, what is this going to mean if, if you know, the Chiefs keep getting there but not winning the Super Bowl? You have to give them a pass on this year. And having said that, like, in terms of you, you mentioned it's going to be close, I think it's a some of Cincinnati's flaws, right? I still don't think they're really well coached. And I just don't think um, they're as talented as other teams. But they, there is something about the culture. There's something about bro. Um, there's also something about like a team that wants to prove everyone wrong. And it seems funny when you're in the Super Bowl last year, but I do think people were like, what were you doing there? You know what I mean? Like, how do you get over here? And like, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think this is such a big moment for Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's funny to think of like one thing to remember with the Vikings or any team, there are multiple pathways there. They created a good culture. They have a great quarterback, mm-hmm. really talented skill players. And then, listen, like if you, if you go toe to toe with the chiefs and keep beating them, like who, who cares? Who cares how you did that? You know what yeah. I mean? Ultimately you're doing right. it. Ultimately you're getting it done. All right. Let's wrap on this, Tom. Eagles 49ers. Who do you got? It's one of the toughest to pick. I still think the Eagles are more talented. And I think, you know, you could go with like, top to bottom look at the roster i have to believe it hurts more than Purdy. i know it's weird that like i even have to think about that a little bit but i think um you know what what hurts offers uh i do think the niners are better coach and i do think with a defense like that sometimes you can offset set some of the uh talent disparity but um there's just enough there with philadelphia and to be honest with you i don't know we had to get pretty close to this point for me to even say that, right? For me, mm-hmm. Philadelphia seemed to get off to a hot start, and I was kind of wondering if they'd kind of peter out towards the end. I don't see that yet, and I think yeah. – um, I still think that the Eagles beat them. Yeah. I think I'm there with you. Um, I think the Eagles reminded everyone this past weekend, like, they're really good, right? Like, I think when we looked at this season, it was kind of like uh, the Eagles ran away with – towards the top of the NFC and they were just kind of there. And then you're just thinking about them. And then San Francisco comes on and you're like, well, San Francisco is actually the better team. The Eagles have proven throughout this year that they are the best team in the NFC record says it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, they're, they're, they're players, they're well their weapons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're well coached. So I'm with you there. I, I think the Eagles get it done this weekend. What about the AFC? No, I mean, versus fully healthy Burrow. <laughs> I just, I think it's the Bengals. You look at their track record. I, again, like I was up until, like, I have to think how close we have to get to this game for me to be like, no, I think someone will beat Kansas City because I really thought Kansas City was the best team. And I thought this was, yeah. It, we talked about the opportunity for Cincinnati. I thought for Kansas City too, like, just kind of correct this narrative that maybe they're just not quite there because they have this weird Brady stamp, standard, right? Or we have a Brady standard for, for Mahomes. But um, I just, I think sometimes you need to not overthink it. Like Mahomes is in hundred percent. Joe Burrow's on. They just, as much as Buffalo maybe disappointed us, like they won a game in Buffalo and it was snowing and you know what I mean? And like just outclassed them. And, and so like, uh, I just, I, I gotta give it to Cincinnati and I, this is the highest I've been on them all season, but there's, you should peak in the playoffs. That's, that's part of how you, how you win championships. 
I can't pick against my guy, Patrick Mahomes. I know. If, if I you know. were like gun to your head, you'll die. If you don't get this right, I'm probably picking the healthy burrow because it's just like, <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah. It's smart, but I'm, <laughs> I'm picking Patrick Mahomes. I, like you said, he's a wizard. Um, I think, I do think he's going to be able to put up points regardless of how, how they play him, regardless of how many legs he has to stand on. Um, yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day, like, I'm just kind of trying to will this one into existence. I'll admit it. Uh, I, I think I, it would be cool if Mahomes did this. Um, if he kind of got the Joe Burrow monkey off his back um, and, and did it at home with a sprained ankle. Um, it's, a, it's a tough place to play. We shouldn't discount that that could happen. Right. You know, you think yeah. of like the, the ankle injury and I mean, it'd be, I was trying to think, is it like his bloody sock game, except it's like, it's his high ankle sprain game. I mean, that's just <laughs> absurd. It's such a painful injury and most players are out with something like that. So um, I wouldn't count it out. Having said that, like also if you're Cincinnati, this is, you just have to seize these opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know the, the playoffs get, you're right. Like this doesn't feel like last year's last year, although like last year's kind of peaked what in the final four final eight i can't remember but like you know it peaked with obviously uh allen mm-hmm. and mahomes going back to back and forth yeah. but um it feels different than a lot and uh, like it's a little disappointing in that like some of these games we thought would be more competitive but um i think it's going to end in a good place i think these are going to be two really good games and i think whoever plays in the super bowl it's going to be a pretty fun matchup let's hope let's keep our fingers crossed for that um that's all we got right now we will come back like I said, if the Vikings make a defensive coordinator higher, we'll jump back on whenever that does happen. If not, look for us either towards the end of this week or early next. We'll, we'll kind of talk about the playoffs kind of as they keep going. And once the Super Bowl rolls around, once that's over with, we will kind of jump full steam ahead into the offseason kind of needs, wants, whatever from, from a Vikings perspective. Um, until then, we will talk next time. For Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani signing off. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.